All right. <clears throat> Good morning. Uh, Austin, thank you for that. Thank you for those kind words. It was a great, great job to the whole team uh, leading worship this morning. Uh, our offertory prayer uh, today on this Father's Day uh, comes from one of the early church fathers, Arrhenius. Uh, Arrhenius was, uh, I believe, a disciple of Polycarp, who was um, uh, believed to have been discipled by St. John. Uh, Arrhenius lived, he was born around 130 AD, lived to 202. Uh, and the prayer goes like this. Uh, o Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, look upon us and have mercy upon us. You who are yourself both victim and priest, yourself both reward and redeemer, keep safe from, from all evil those whom thou hast redeemed, O Savior of the world. Amen. Amen. Interesting fact about uh, Irenaeus, he was from Smyrna, uh, not, not Smyrna, Georgia. He was from Smyrna, uh, which is now Izmir in Turkey. Uh, if you want to give uh, today, you can do that several ways. You can give uh, through text message. You can also give through the Riverstone app if you have that. Um, and uh, you can also mail checks to our post office box. I think all of those different uh, ways are flashing on the screen. So you can take advantage of, of any of those that you wish. Um, so today is Father's Day, and uh, I always think about my own dad at Father's Day and just kind of reflect on, on him and remember things. Uh, a little bit about my dad that some of you may know or uh, many of you may not know. My dad was the grammar police uh, for our community, uh, not just for our family. He, he was the grammar police in the worst kind of way. Uh, he didn't just correct his kids, he, he corrected our friends, uh, had no, he had no grace for, for incorrect grammar. Uh, he was also, I would say, the last person to call and the first person to call. He was the last person to call when something small happened, like, you know, just a, just a bump, uh, nothing tragic, spilling milk, maybe, uh, don't call my dad. Uh, but he's the first person to call if it was a major disaster, major pileup. Uh, I still think about him anytime there's a potential crisis looming. Uh, I, I will ask myself, well, what, what would dad do? How would dad react? Because he was the first person you want to call if there's something major that needs to be dealt with. But the last person that you want to call for something minor, I remember one time my uh, example of that, my, my younger brother John was cooking, uh, making toast, and uh, the, the bread got hung in the toaster and caught fire, and my brother raised a window uh, to throw the toaster out the window, which may have been a slight overreaction as well, uh, but he turned to get the toaster, and as he did, the window slid back shut, and then he threw the toaster through the glass and broke the window. And uh, my dad's solution was that none of the children could ever cook again. And so, small event, 
was treated like a disaster, but a disaster was always handled uh, masterfully. My dad was a great, great storyteller. Uh, I, I grew up listening to all my dad's stories, and I've had people tell me uh, through the years that they think that I, I'm a fairly good storyteller. And uh, my storytelling ability, uh, if I have it, came from my dad. Uh, my dad was a great storyteller. I would say one of the characteristics of, about my dad that was both a blessing and an annoyance is that my dad was almost omnipresent, almost omnipresent. He was not just at our games and special events, but my dad was at our practices he was also in the school office, just hanging out, talking to the principal or the vice principal or, or chatting with the school secretary. He was in the football locker room telling the coaches his offensive philosophies. Uh, sometimes he was just roaming the halls uh, at our high school. Uh, my dad was everywhere. There's, there was nowhere you could go to escape his presence, which sounds kind of like scripture. Um, I know he had a job. I just don't know when he did it. Uh, he was super extroverted. My dad was an extrovert. He knew everybody's name. He knew everybody's story. He was the best uh, hospitality greeter person you could ever have uh, at your church because if you visited, visited our church, my dad... Uh, the first time, the very first time you came to the church, my dad would know uh, everything there was to know about you. He would meet you. He would greet you. He would introduce you to others. He was the greeter, hospitality person, extraordinary. In fact, um, I have friends uh, who are at my home church now who uh, are, are the greeters. And they have told me, we, we do this ministry uh, we are in this ministry of greeting because of your dad. Uh, we are doing this in memory and in honor of your dad. Uh, it's probably not a surprise uh, that my dad has two sons who are pastors and another son that is a lawyer because the theme of his life was do the right thing. Uh, didn't have much grace uh, for anyone, especially his children, when we didn't do the right thing. Uh, I think the theme of his life was do the right thing the right way. And uh, that, was, that was who he was. Uh, but the thing that I, I would say, and I have said and continue to say, is that uh, the most outstanding feature of my father is that he loved my mom fearlessly and endlessly. Uh, my dad wasn't perfect, but she thought and still thinks uh, that he was. And, and that really says a lot uh, about him and about the way that he loved her. So today, uh, I wanna talk a little bit about being uh, a father and uh, we're going to do that uh, looking at Matthew 7 and Luke 11. I'm going to read both of those passages in a moment. Uh, before I do that, I, I want to say that uh, you, many of you got the email uh, this week. Uh, and we are targeting July the 12th. We believe that we'll be able to gather uh, here uh, in the building on that date. We're looking forward to that. And uh, we'll have two services that day at 10 and 6. 
And I'm uh, really excited about that and looking forward to it. Uh, it's 21 days away, and I would like to invite uh, Riverstone uh, people to, to join me uh, over the next 21 days uh, in a time of prayer and fasting as, as we uh, believe the Lord for breakthrough and, and, and incredible uh, outpouring of his spirit uh, for July the 12th and, and going forward from there. Uh, so uh, beginning tomorrow and then uh, going on until July the 12th, I just want to invite you to join me in a time of fasting. Uh, if you have never fasted for a long period of time, uh, there, there are ways that you can do this um, uh, that are less uh, intrusive. Um, I'm not necessarily suggesting that you go 21 days on water only or, or even 21 days on only juice. Uh, especially if you haven't fasted for extended periods of time, you might want to maybe fast a meal a day, one, one meal a day, or fast even one meal uh, a week would be okay. But, but making sure that you carve out time every day uh, for prayer that is more than your normal routine. So the idea of fasting is to increase uh, your time in prayer and your emphasis upon prayer. It's really a time to, uh, you deny yourself of something physical in order to give yourself more fully to something spiritual. And so uh, I encourage you to uh, be involved in some way. If, if you choose to fast um, food or solid food for an extended period of time, I would encourage you to ease in and ease out. So you know, taper your way in. Don't just decide, okay, well, Tom said let's fast today, so I'm starting today drawing a hard line. I'm not eating any solid food for 21 days. Don't, don't do that. Take a few days to taper in uh, on maybe uh, fruit and vegetables and, and, and lettuce and things like that. And then gradually work your way into a complete fast and then at the end of the fast, don't go out and buy a steak because you're hungry. Um, you, have, you need to ease in and ease out. So just practical advice uh, on fasting. If you have more questions, you can email me uh, and I'll be glad to, to try to help you. So again, today's Father's Day and I want to talk about uh, being a father uh, and I'm going to read uh, from Matthew 7. Uh, verses 9 through 11. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything due to others, what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. And then from, chap from Luke chapter 11, uh, very similar, uh, verse 11. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now let's pray. Uh, God, I pray uh, 
that you would speak to us today uh, from your word. Uh, your word is true and uh, your word is truth and, and you want to speak into our lives. You want to lead us into all truth. And, and so we pray, give us ears to hear, to understand and give us the will uh, to obey, to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. So even though there are some differences in these passages, uh, both passages are proceeded with these words, ask and it will be given, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened. So Jesus is teaching about prayer, uh, which leads into uh, his comments about uh, the good father and how our good father uh, loves to give good gifts. Matthew 7 also says, uh, prior to his comments about the father, don't judge, don't focus on the speck in your brother's eye. Uh, don't give to dogs what is sacred and don't throw your pearls to pigs. Uh, he actually says, uh, he is communicating that we should give our best to the things that are of true value. Uh, and he says, uh, don't give your children stones and snakes and scorpions. Uh, I remember one time, uh, Mason loved snakes growing up and, and uh, he loved to catch snakes and, and uh, loved to talk about snakes and read about snakes. And so uh, for his birthday one year, I think he was about nine or 10 years old, we, we bought him a snake. And it wasn't, you know, one of these big scary boa constrictors. It was just a small uh, Texas Plains garter snake. Uh, and we had that snake for years. His name was Tiger. And uh, he ate goldfish, not the kind of goldfish you buy, you know, that you feed your children, not the crackers, but live goldfish. And so I'd have to go to the pet store and buy some goldfish and feed them to the snake. And uh, when we moved here, from Athens, um, Tiger, which was the name of the snake, Tiger came with us and uh, he moved with us. And the interesting story about that move is that uh, we, we lost Tiger. We lost Tiger in the house um, when we were unpacking. And even though he was a harmless snake, you just don't really want any kind of snake crawling around in your house. And uh, I think one of our friends who was helping us unpack actually found uh, tiger uh, in a suitcase. So tiger was recovered, but uh, uh, the Bible says that you're not supposed to give uh, snakes to your, to your sons and daughters. So I guess we broke that rule. Um, but Matthew 7 follows with these words. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this summarizes the law and the prophets. In other words, this defines most of the instruction in scripture. Uh, the scripture that was available in that day, Jesus is saying just about everything uh, that you learn from scripture can be summed up in do to others what you would have them do to you, which if we could get a hold of that passage right there, just that idea and that practice uh, in today's world, uh, it would make a huge difference. Uh, but I want, to, I want to take this passage in Matthew 7 and Luke 11 and, and break it down a little bit. And I want to break it down by looking at just three phrases. If you then, who are evil, is one phrase. 
And then we know how would be the second phrase. And then the third phrase that I want to look at is how much more God. So if you then who are evil uh, know how to give, how much more God. So number one, if you then, though you are evil, Romans 3.23 says that there is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.10, just a few verses prior to that, says there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. So if any of us wants to be a good father, believe it or not, this is the starting point. If you want to be a good father, the starting point is acknowledging that this is the place where we begin. I am evil. I am lost without God. I am, it is impossible for me without God uh, to do what is right, to live in a righteous way. We are broken we are lost, we are in recovery, we're not quite there yet. All of us fall short of the glory of God because we are all born in sin. Until we come into relationship with Jesus, you can try, you may can do some good things occasionally, uh, but a sustained goodness is only accomplished through the Spirit of God in us. And so, uh, if you then, though you are evil, that is the starting point. If you want to be a good father, it starts with the humility of acknowledging, without Jesus, I can't be. Without God, I, I can't be a good father. I'm not going to try to be a good father in order to earn God's favor. I'm not going to attempt being a good father in hopes that that will make God love me or that that will make my children love me. I'm going to recognize that I am born in sin, that there is nothing good in me apart from God. And that if I want to be a good father, I have to surrender my life to Jesus, invite the spirit of God to come into me, to live in me, to change me. And that it is God in me that is my hope for being a good father. Second thing he says is we know how to give good gifts. So he says, if you then, even though you're evil, know how to good give, give good gifts to your children. I would say that most of us, maybe not all, but most uh, fathers uh, and most people know deep down somewhere uh, right from wrong. Uh, Romans 1 says the truth about God is known because God has made it plain. Uh, this is especially true for believers. If you're a believer, if you've given yourself to Jesus... He has put his spirit in you and the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth. And so our problem really, especially as believers, our problem is not so much knowing the right thing to do, it's, it's doing it. Our problem is doing it. Our problem is that we can't or we won't or we don't do it. Uh, don't do the right thing. Uh, Romans uh, seven, Paul describes this in verses 14 and 15. He says, the good things that I want to do, I don't do. And the bad things that I don't want to do, those I wind up doing. 
What I hate to do, Paul says, I do. So we're evil. We're selfish at our core. Deep down we know, but we feel powerless to do. And then the third point, how much more God? Romans 8, uh, Paul follows up from Romans 7 and he says what the law couldn't do, the Father did by sending Christ. Uh, what the law couldn't do, what, what I couldn't do, even though deep inside of me I knew that there was a difference between right and wrong, I was powerless to do it, even when I saw it written on paper in the law, this is what you should do, this is what you shouldn't do, I still found myself powerless to do it. And what the law couldn't do, which is to change a heart, God accomplished by the sending of Christ to die on the cross. How much more God? We have a Father in heaven who says, ask, seek, and knock. He says this to us because he has a desire for us that's even greater than the desire that we have for ourselves. He says to us, ask, seek, and knock because I have what you need. And I deeply, deeply, deeply want to give it to you. And so he says, ask, and it will be given to you. That's a fairly simple, straightforward uh, exchange. Ask, and it will be given to you. There are certain things, uh, when it comes to our relationship with God, there are certain things that we simply can ask and receive. Ask and receive. It's, it's immediate. It's almost instant. It, those are the suddenlies that we find in Scripture uh, where God says, you, you don't have this because you haven't asked for it. And all you have to do is ask. If you would just ask, I am ready, I am willing, and I am able to give. And so there are certain things about the kingdom, and there are certain things about uh, being a good husband or a good father or a good wife or a good mother or a good child or a good employee and a good employer. As believers, there are certain things that are available to us simply at the asking because the Father has an abundance of blessing that he wants to give to you and he wants to give to me and he is simply waiting for us to ask. You have not because you ask not. So there are things that are quick, they're almost instant and even effortless if we would just ask. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find there are other things uh, in the kingdom that are below the surface that you have, you have to dig a little for. You have to search them out. You have to search out the things of God. Uh, they take some effort. They take a little bit of, of time even. They're below the surface. may take some digging. They're not just out right there in, in plain view. And so there are things uh, in the kingdom and there are things about being a dad and there are things about being a mom uh, that are available to us, but they have to be searched out. Um, they're not just on the surface. They're a little deeper and you have to dig and you have to be willing to put forth some effort uh, to learn. And then the third thing he says is knock and it will be opened. 
Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. And this knocking, the idea of knocking carries with it a persistence and an endurance, a refusal to quit. And so I'm going to ask the Lord and he, he will give. And I'm going to seek to know and I'm going to search things out so that I can grow deeper. I'm going to get below the surface with God and I'm going to ask him to show me and to teach me things. And then I'm going to endure. I'm going to knock and I'm going to knock and I'm going to knock and I'm not going to give up. And in this day and time, there are things that we, we long for and things that we have been seeking out uh, and it seems like it's taken too long. There are things about community and about our, the society that we live in that we feel like we look at the news and we look at what's going on and we think we should be further along than this. Why is it taking so long? And the temptation is to give up. The temptation is to become frustrated. The temptation is to quit. The temptation actually is to partner with anger and begin to do things and engage in thoughts and ideas and activities even that would cause us to go backwards instead of forwards. And, and the kingdom of God would say, knock, continue to knock, don't give up, do not quit, continue to knock and to knock and to knock until the door is opened. Ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open. If you want to be a good dad, if you want the power to do the right that you know, if you want direction, revelation, and power from God so that you can stop giving your children rocks and snakes and scorpions and start giving them blessings and pearls and Holy Spirit impartation and love, then ask, seek, and knock because you have a good father in heaven who loves to give good gifts to his children. Now let's pray. Jesus, we pray today that we would be willing to embrace the journey. Um, that we would not partner with impatience, that we would not partner uh, with the current idea of everything has to be now, everything must be instant. That we would be willing to ask, to seek, and to knock. That we Lord, would be found to have endurance that produces character, that increases our faith, that brings fruit in our lives and gives fruit into the lives of others. Help us, Jesus. Help us. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen going to have a, a short time of, of ministry as we, we wrap up today. And uh, uh, I just want to encourage you, if you uh, 
If you need prayer, if you, you're a dad today and you just, you want to be a better dad uh, and you, you know the right things, but you find it sometimes you just don't do uh, what you know. Uh, I want to encourage you to reach out and, and let uh, some of our people pray for you today. Uh, there are others of you who today, you know, you're saying, you know, Father's Day, I really don't like Father's Day. Uh, and for various reasons, you know, it may be because of the relationship you have with your dad. It may be because of uh, your frustrations at not being a dad. It could, it could be any number of things that causes you to say, Father's Day, not my favorite day. I especially want to encourage you uh, to reach out for prayer today. Because this, this can be a day uh, where you learn to identify the true meaning of Father's Day, that you have a father. Uh, you could identify with that third point of so much more God. Uh, your life can be so much more because of God. Uh, he is a good father. He is a good father. No matter what model you've had in your life, no matter what uh, examples you've had, no matter how you have failed, even yourself as a father, how much more God. He is so good. He is the perfect father and he wants to pour out his perfect fatherness on you. And so I encourage you uh, to reach out today and let uh, some of our folks pray for you.